this biblical character, Hannah, and all that she did, all that she, all that she stood for, her whole experience and how the Lord led her. This is a uh, 10 or 11 centuries before Jesus, so about 3,000 years ago, this story. And the principles carry through. And also, um, she's a woman that was a warrior. How can a, a housewife, so to speak, and also one of the wives of this man, in a culture and day and age in which um, women were were not at the forefront or equally esteemed as today. But in those days, God gave dignity to anyone because he created male and female. Anyone who would turn to him, he would beautify. He would make that person his prince or his princess, his son, his daughter. This woman, even though she never took up a weapon physically, she couldn't join the Israeli army as uh, people could later as a female, in modern times that is, but she was a warrior in the spiritual realm. And Satan knew that. And we heard from Pascal's message that Satan knew he had a information that something's on the horizon that's threatening his kingdom. He had some kind of partial information. And so he raised up this rival and he tried to discourage and destroy Hannah's faith. That was his goal. And thereby take away the anointing that was upon her, that would increase upon her. Not everything's written as we uh, mentioned from time to time. But if we trace her life on a spiritual spectrum, so to speak, if we look at her life from beginning to end on a graph that will show invisible characteristics that human beings around her wouldn't necessarily see, we'll see a woman that became mightier and mightier. And she came to the fullness of time where she was able to give birth by faith. Why? Because she trusted God's word that she would have a child. Although it was the natural means, this child was no ordinary child. This Samuel came about because there was a spiritual progress in Hannah. She was a warrior. She never fought with bitter words. She didn't take vengeance. She was a woman that obviously did not live in the fleshly realm, even though she was a human being in flesh as body. So we see a whole lot mentioned Again, similar to Jochebed, Moses' mother, similar to Lois and Eunice, Timothy's uh, grandmother and mother, the Holy Spirit has packed so much in these characters that if we stop and consider, we can actually find role models for us in the pages of Scripture, as well as in our present generation, if we have eyes to see and ears to hear. God has put them there. And as we often say, God never said, oh, don't look too closely at Hannah. This is incidental. Don't look too closely at Lois and Eunice. Don't look too closely at such and such a figure in the Bible. We don't. I don't want you to go and worship them now. There's no room for hero worship, idolatry. There's a grossly mistaken, satanically contrived idea to totally undo the meaning and the significance of why God put biblical characters and described them, their origin, their manner of life, how they prayed to God, what their legacy was, even to their second and third generation. God has placed it there so we can emulate, we can honor them as they honor the Lord and follow them as they follow the Lord. And uh, as Prashant alluded to one of the earlier messages, I want to clarify that in a race, sometimes we may think that it's redundant. But in a race, for me to be able to run in the spiritual race, 
first of all, I need to remove every obstacle that would prevent me from running, namely sin, gross sin, long-standing sin, strongholds like the Canaanite gods filled with demons in any god, so-called, in any culture, any time. Demons are behind those things. And they incite people to immorality, greed for power, to fight, to overtake innocent people, take their property, all kinds of things incited by Satan, who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. His children act no different. And so these things must be repulsed, repelled and hated by the believer. There's no way we can run, no matter what we claim, in the Christian race without getting rid of those things that God hates. Secondly, it's another tier, if you will, another level, another level of maturity or growth, is identifying those things that are hindrances, weights, or obstacles. Now that I'm running, I'm in the race, from running steadily or unhindered. So there's another level that the Lord will bring to us, that, you know, you're running, but you're not running like you should. There are breaks and stops that you're taking. You're not going steadily. And this is why. And God will help us identify that. Maybe some uncontrolled temper still. Maybe some impulsivity. Things that are there that are acting as breaks and causing me to sit down and wonder what's going on. And then after some encouragement, I get up and run again. Second tier, second level. First level was anything that would prevent me from running. Hannah was not a sinner. She was a true saint. God loved her so much. God dealt with her because he was bringing out that precious gem and a glory that she could have never dreamed of. That's what God is doing for us. But she had to part with such things as drinking. She had to part with those things that were common with a lot of the women who would bicker and fight and begin to boast about their husbands and their family and what they have. You can't find that in Hannah. She was a humble woman. We didn't look to save face or image, but the glory of God was all over her. And she was growing, but she had her priorities correct. Somebody's unmuted there. Please check your lines and mute yourself. She had a priority correct. And so she didn't not run. She was in the race, spiritual race. When we get to the New Testament, we see a lot of clarity, a lot of um, increased awareness and knowledge, analogies such as to a human foot race, analogies such as to farming. The Apostle Paul, by the Holy Spirit, as well as the Lord himself, brings out parables, so many illustrations. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit can bring out similar things for us to note because there is more than meets the eye when it comes to the Word of God. We need the spiritual vision. So Hannah was a person who eschewed or rejected things like drinking and the common ways of living, where people were very much having their self intact. There's a there's a tenacity in self-assertion, you know, that I will make my presence known, my mind, and it's about me and my Hannah didn't have that. She was in the race. Those things, obstacles that will prevent her from the race, she already got rid of. The second level is to find out what things are not allowing me to run properly. Steadily. There's a hindrance. God is working in Hannah. And she had the opportunity to revert back to a little bit of bickering, a little bit of holding grudges. You don't have that there either. So she was the one who's running pretty steadily. There's not one mention of her sinning. She was running steadily toward the goal. Third level is not just running in the race, number one, running steadily, but running at maximum speed, full speed. There's a difference. She was a woman who was running at full speed. Because at the appointed time, when God tested her faith, and God was working on her, at the appointed time, the promise came to her. She was deemed worthy of a promise that was unique in all of Israel. To this one woman who seemed to be forgotten, who seemed to be 
despised was actually by her rival who seemed to be cast out and cast away a woman under a curse not before the Lord how things are opposite when it comes to heaven the people that are highly esteemed in this world are very low and despised by God very often the people who are despised in this world are often highly esteemed by God he said blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven God's eyes were upon Hannah. She was a woman who ran at full speed. Not only did she get rid of all those things that were from this world's evil things, she said, I have no part with that. I'm a worshiper of Yahweh, the living God. And I'm alert to those things that can cause me to take breaks here and there from the race. Imagine watching on TV some Olympic race and the runner, he starts out well, but he takes breaks and goes uh, underneath the little umbrella there and sips his iced tea or whatever and gets back in the race. We think, well, he's out of his mind or she's out of her mind. This is a race. It's not recreation, jogging. As a Christian, we need to remember, we're called to run. Don't be disqualified. Don't disqualify yourself. Be alert. Secondly, Watch out for those culprits that come to stop you and make you not go forward. And you have to pick up all over again. It's like dropping those marbles that you collected so uh, diligently, one by one, carefully keeping it in your hands or in your apron. And in one shot, drop everything. And you have to pick it up again. But we want to be at the third level, like Hannah. Every step, every milestone, every marker God has for us. We want to make it on time. We want to run with full speed. So, the Christian life has these different tiers. And God has outlined that even in the life of Hannah, when we make application of New Testament principles, especially. She was a woman who was running at full speed in the life of faith. She obviously pleased God Almighty so much that he hand-picked her. You see, it's not a random thing. When people say, well, everybody's equal and God is, picks whoever he wants, yes, he has a divine prerogative, but there are qualities. He did mark out qualities in Moses. It's recorded he was the meekest man on the face of the earth in his day. Abraham was a man who was not weak in faith, but strong in faith. God could count on him to command his children after him to obey God. Joseph had certain qualities. Hannah had certain qualities. Which means that today God is looking at me, He's looking at you. He's looking for certain qualities to see whether you can become a jewel in His crown, whether you can become that golden cup, as Hannah was. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Praise God. Pastor is on, and uh, if she'd like to say anything, she can't praise God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God for the exhortation we heard. It's very important um, to see how we run. How we run without any hindrances, as the Bible says. Lay aside everything. Every sin that so easily we can entangle can, can get upon a person. When it latches on to a person, it will slow them and slow them and eventually halt them. And it all happens in no time. So it's important not to let anything cloud our judgment, catch our feet, tie our hands. It's important to keep our spiritual vision clear our hands free, our feet free, so that we can run that race. Think about a race. Can you run a race if you have your hands tied? Can you win the race with your hands tied? No. Can you run a race with your feet tied? No. Can you win the race with your eyes tied? No. Your vision is very important. You need to be able to see where you're going. 
Your hands are very important. Your hands need to move. When you run, it has to go in the right direction. It carries your body in motion. Your feet, they need to run in the right direction. So when you look at yourself, your mind, your heart, your spirit, they all need to function in unison, in sync, in order to win the race, run the race and win the race. So our feet should not be caught in any affairs of this world, in any thicket. Our hands should never be bound, and our vision should never be hindered, obstructed. These are things we have to remember in addition to what the Lord spoke through Pastor Pradeep. You want to add these things to your list if you want to run and win. Apostle Paul says, a lot of people run. Not everyone wins. And he says, run, that you may win, that you may obtain the crown. So, it's important that we run with a purpose, that we obtain the crown that God has for us. That we don't run in vain. We have to run with a vision. We have to run with a speed. We have to run without any weights attached to us. We have to run free, with our hands, our feet, unbound, with our eyes, with good vision, with our mind is able to focus on the finish line. So may God help us to be mission-minded, not to get sidetracked by the cares of the world, by what Satan will offer, which is just lies. But the enemy will say that, oh, I'll give you rest. And Jesus says, come to me, all of you who have burdens, and you bear a heavy burden. I will give you rest. Satan will say, oh, don't go to Jesus. You're not going to get any rest. You come to me, I'll give you distraction. Distraction is a number one weight that Satan will place upon people and will bury them under distraction. We have to be very careful with the distractions and distractions come under the cares of the world. You can get distracted with anything. Once you get distracted, you will miss the mark. Distracted drivers miss exits. Distracted drivers get into accidents and distracted drivers, many have lost their lives. So when it comes to our journey to heaven, distraction is something that we have to be very careful about. Hannah was not distracted by any of the bullying tactics of Satan that came through Penina. Even though the enemy was after her wherever she went, especially to the house of God, because the enemy knew that her release, her freedom, her blessing, her reward is going to come from the house of God, through the servant of God. And Satan said, I'm going to do everything I can to really make you miserable so you don't go there. More than her torment during the rest of the year. The torment when she went to the house of the Lord was the worst. Because that was Satan's goal. All year long he would torment her because he didn't want her to pray. Because if she prays, then she can get that inner strength. But Hannah didn't give in to that. She still sought the Lord. He said, I'm going to do it a hundred times more to keep her from going to the house of God because that's why. So the all year long is a preparatory period for her to be able to take that extra pressure that would come during her 
journey to the house of God. God is speaking to hearts this hour. Take it very seriously. If you're not exercising, and if you're not training for the battle, you'll be defeated in the battlegrounds. You need to exercise yourself, keep yourself spiritually fit. As a soldier needs to keep himself or herself spiritually fit, you need to keep yourself spiritually fit. Have that spiritual discipline and spiritual training all through the year. So when extra heat comes, you'll be able to go through it, breeze through it, through the heat, and come forth as gold on the other side. So all year long, the torment that came for Hannah to really pull her down, to cause a big failure in her life, didn't do anything to her because she was someone who was training herself, exercising herself all through the year in the presence of God. So that when the time to go to the house of God came, and this woman, year after year, especially that time, would make her all the more miserable. It did not stop her from continuing to go to the house of God. So many people, when they go through things like this, they'll say, well, this is a trauma for me, and I can't forget what happened last year. I don't want the same thing to happen this year, so I'm not going in. And they fail. They fall into the trap of Satan, and Satan cheers. He says, oh, you did what I expected you to do. I'm so happy. I robbed you of your blessing. So it's very important for us to understand that your daily prayer life, your daily walk with the Lord is very crucial. If you walk with Him every day, then when you have to go through the fire, He will be with you. Through the rivers, the rivers won't overcome you. You will come forth as gold. So from Hannah's life, we must understand that every day, in the midst of provocation, she walked with God every day. And as she walked with God every day, she prepared herself by being in the presence of God, by letting God work in her to strengthen her so that she can overcome that agonizing experience that she would have when she goes to the house of God. That whatever this woman, Penina, may do to her, may not drive her away from the presence of God, but take her further into the presence of God. That means, whatever the enemy tried, it just moved her from wherever she was spiritually to even closer to God. How can that happen? Because it was God who was with her during the time of affliction. Every single day, and she would run to God. When the enemy would come bully her, she would run to God. She would run to God every single time. Her eyes were not on the enemy. Her eyes were upon God. And so God empowered her. Steadily, she grew. Closer and closer to God and stronger in her spirit. Nothing stopped her. She was a woman who was unstoppable through the power of God working in her. So when she went to the presence of God, the last time, before Samuel was born, even though the other time she went and she was not able to eat and she was so miserable with what Penana did. This time, when she went to the presence of God, she was not able to eat until Eli, the man of God, came in and blessed her. But when she went to the presence of God, her complaint was not about Penina. See, a lot of times people miss the focus on what matters the most. They'll go with the side issue. 
the whole prayer will be about how Penana is bothering me, how Penana is hurting me from my feelings, and how Penana is making me cry. And they make the whole prayer about Penana and miss the Samuel that God has for them. Hannah was not like that. Hannah was the woman whose focus was where had to be. Where her heart was in the right place. Her prayer was, I need this child so that I can give back to you. I need this child. My focus is you, Lord. My prayer is concerning myself, the child that you give me, and you. That was her focus. She didn't say, well, I need to ask my husband's permission before I can make this vow. No. She was a woman who knew that this is between me and God. My husband is not able to take away my reproach. My husband is not able to take away my pain. My husband is not able to open my womb. My husband is not able to do the impossible. So if God does the impossible, when He does it, I will fulfill what I've spoken to Him. Because it was between me and God. She already knew Elkanah was a man of God. That when He tells her, He's going to do exactly what Hannah would want him to do because it is for the Lord. He was a man who feared the Lord, so she knew. It was not a concern for her at all. A concern is, I'm going to do it in God's way. God made everything come together. God not only gave the child, God made everything come together, including her husband, giving the child over to God along with Hannah. God blessed both of them again through the very same servant of God and gave them many more children. Both of them were in one mind and one heart when they gave Samuel to God. All this came because Hannah's focus was not her husband. Her focus was not Penina. Her focus was not anything else. But the child that she longed for. She knew that it will be a miracle that God will give. And when He gives, I will give Him back to God. So our focus must be on eternal things. Even whatever God gives to us materially, physically, whatever God gives to us, it all must be directed towards the glory of God, using it for God's purposes. When we do that, what God will do is God will multiply more. Hannah was not a loser because she gave Samuel to Israel, and Samuel became a prophet, and Hannah never had any more children, no. Not only was Hannah the mother of Samuel, but God gave her more children. She gave one to the Lord, God gave her many more. This word God is, He always outgive His people. But our motives must be right. Our prayers must be right. Her prayers were not about other people. Her prayers were about herself. And the child that she wanted. She said, this is the highlight of it. And think about it. If God recorded Hannah's prayer in the Bible, think about it. How important God has considered that to be. He's recorded that in his book of all books, Hannah's Prayers. How God recorded in the book of all books, how God honored Hannah, and how God recorded in the book of all books, that God blessed her again through the very same servant of God. God placed in her life. She went there, the temple of God. I wanted to actually um, correct one thing with a recap was about how Eli, you know, just came around because he had concern for Hannah. No, uh, in the message that I said, I said 
when it said was, God moved the man of God to come. He didn't know the entire story. He didn't know what was happening with her. But as she prayed, it was God who moved the man of God to come right to where Hannah was and talk to her. It was God who moved her. And the point that she should not be drunk and she needed to be corrected, which is at a concern, he said, was right. But the fact that he came was being moved by God because of Hannah's prayers, similar to God sending Prophet Isaiah because of Hezekiah's prayers. And so when you think about these things, how God intervenes, how He hears us, and how He intervenes, intervenes in our lives, divinely intervenes in our lives. The same servant of God who blessed her and gave the miracle of the child she comes back to the very same servant of God and gives back the child. And then after he received the child from her hand, he blesses Elkanah and Hannah again. See, when you look at it, the first time she was by herself weeping. The blessing of the Lord came to her when she was by herself. She received it. Now she is coming together with her husband. Both of them are coming with one heart, with one mind, to give to God. The blessing that God gave to them. Back to God. The servant of God receives Samuel. You don't see Eli saying, Oh, there's a small baby you shouldn't be, you know, you should be keeping, and you're being irresponsible parents. And No. He knew that there's the vow that they've made. She's made. When she's made, her husband stands right with him, with her, on this because he was a man of God. He was a man of God, who honored his wife's commitment to God, even though that's his first child with her after so long. And this child was with the mother and with the father. The child was just weaned. Imagine how attached Hannah must have been with the child. And how attached Akana would have been with the child. That too coming from the wife that he loved. Both of them knew how to honor the Lord. With the word they gave to God, they said, we will go. This is integrity. And this is why God brought Samuel through Akana and Hannah, not through any of the parents. Both of them had the character to be of one heart and one mind when it came to the things of God. To do the will of God. And as they both went and gave Samuel to Eli, from the very man they got this blessing from. God blessed them manyfold. They gave one and got many more. This is who our God is. We are faithful to God in our commitment to God, in our vows to God. Faithful to God in our giving to God. Faithful to God in our worship to God. Faithful to God in our living before God. There's a divine multiplication that takes place. From the very house of God, to the very servant of God, God does it again and again and again. Are we willing to go to the presence of God again and again and again? faithfully with faith in our hearts with integrity towards God Almighty not to hold anything back but wholeheartedly be in His presence to do what our mouth has promised God till God can bless us abundantly so when it comes to running your feet should be free. Your hands should be free. Hannah's hands were free. She gave Samuel to God. Her hands were free. 
God poured more into those hands. It was God who opened that womb and he gave one. And when that one was given to God, it was God who gave her, same the Lord, same God Almighty, gave her many more after Eli blessed them again. So, it's the blessing of the Lord, as God's word says, it makes one rich and he adds no sorrow with it, no sorrow. No sorrow when God gives blessings. It's void of sorrow. But to the wicked, abundance of sorrow is there. They can have whatever they want to have. They really won't have the most important thing that they need to have. In that way, they're poor. If you don't have Jesus, you're poor. You can have anything and everything that people can esteem. But God says this in His Word, whatever is esteemed in the sight of man is an abomination to God. They're all like paper cars and paper planes. They're poor. Building after building, barn after barn. And Jesus says, Oh fool, your soul is going to be required of you tonight. He calls that rich man fool. While the people of the world will look at him like, oh, what a privilege this man has, everything. Probably God has blessed him. Meanwhile, God calls him a fool. If we don't have God, we don't have the most important thing that we should have. We are a zero. But if we have God, God adds to us length of days he adds to us whatever we need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus those are all addition length of days and mature blessings are addition but the main thing is Jesus that's wisdom if we have God not simply say that I believe in Jesus too no and the sentence of one having God means it's for someone who's walking in obedience to the will of God, to the ways of God, to the word of God. That's what having Jesus is. Abiding in Him and He in us means obeying His commandments in everything, not just doing some and leaving the rest. Such a person will like will be like the tree that is planted by the rivers of water, bringing forth his fruit in his season. Automatic. It's an automatic process. His leaves shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Those people don't have to run after this, run after that, and lose sleep and think about how can I make more money and how can I build this and how can I now. They are free. Their hands are free. Their feet are free. They are running with good speed. And guess what? The wealth of this world will run after them. Whatever they need, heaven will supply royally. According to His riches, God's riches, in glory by Christ Jesus, minus sorrow. That's what God will give to those who have Jesus. So those who have Jesus are the richest people in the world. Those who are walking with Jesus Christ are the richest people in the world because they have what they should have. Whatever they need shall be provided by God Almighty. Minus sorrow. That's Hannah's story. She had God with her. She became a winner. She had God with her. Whatever she needed was given by God in a grand manner. When she gave that to God, she was given even more by God. A woman of wisdom, a woman of faith, a woman of God, 
she put many Jewish people during her lifetime to shame. Like Noah did. By his righteous living, he condemned the rest of the world. Because he showed. Yes. By following God Almighty. I can live holy in this crooked and perverse generation. Like Jesus showed, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Noah, by his righteous living in the midst of the vile and crooked generation, he condemned the world by his righteousness. Like that, Hannah, by her, walk with God. She condemned those around her who did not have faith in God Almighty to produce the gem that she produced through God working in her. May God help us to be like Hannah in this generation. To uphold the truth. To have faith in God Almighty. To listen to His voice and to do His will. Not give attention to the enemy who is working through human beings. Circumstances. Even through the body. Whatever it may be. Have that character to win. That means every single day you must exercise yourself into godliness. Every single day you do your spiritual push-ups. Every single day you do your spiritual crunches. Every single day you do everything you need. You lift weights spiritually. Every single day. So that you'll be able to be fit in the battlefield. Be a soldier was fit to carry arms and will have the stamina to fight. Be like Hannah who had that character to endure every single day and to walk with God which prepared her year after year to be in the house of God through excruciating trial which brought her the gift from God to the very source that the enemy was trying to keep her from. Serve God in the house of God where she went and cried out to God Almighty. God heard her cries. God heard her heart. And God moved his servant Eli to go in order to bless her. Shall we close our eyes and look to the Lord? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Blood of Jesus. Blood of Jesus. Blood of Jesus. Blood of Jesus. There are no accidents in the life of a child of God. There are no casual conversations in the life of a servant of God. Every move is calculated by heaven. And every step is ordered by God Almighty. And as we give our lives over to God and say, Lord, have your way in my life. And exercise yourself and to godliness. Do your spiritual workout every single day in the midst of what little things you may face. When big things come that would bring the blessing of God, you won't be swept away. You won't be wiped away. You will endure as a house that was built upon the rock. The rain came. The storm came. We beat upon that house. But in due 
a single damage to that house. The house stood firm. Only the waves and the winds would have gotten hurt. The house was untouched, not damaged by the external forces. God is speaking to our hearts today. Do you understand the value of spiritual training, of yielding yourselves to be trained by God Almighty? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In the midst of your adversity, if you fail, your strength is small, says God's word. That means you didn't prepare ahead of time. If you prepare yourself, then you will not be put to shame. If you prepare yourself ahead of time, then you will be a soldier who will win. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Your hands must be free. Your feet must be free. Your eyes should be able to see clearly. Your mind should have proper judgment. When you run the race, if you have to win, you cannot be entangled with the affairs of this world. If you want to win, you cannot have log in your eyes. If you want to win, you cannot carry things of the world in your hands. You cannot have your feet stuck in the mire. Thank you, Jesus. Take some time in the presence of God and tell the Lord, Lord, I want to travel light. I want to run light. I don't want anything in my hands. Whatever is hindering me, I'm going to give it up. And then let my feet stop in the mire. I'm not going to be focused on others and the circumstances and what is going around me. If I do that, I'll be disqualified when I'm in the race. I'm going to be running in somebody else's track. God is speaking to us today. Take some time in the presence of God and tell the Lord, Lord, I want to be someone who will win. I want to be someone who will win. So I will do these things, Lord. I'll be careful. Apostle Paul says through the Holy Spirit, watch your life and your doctrine. Watch your life and your doctrine. Watch your life and your doctrine. Make sure you live a godly life, a holy life, a humble life, a life full of God's agape love. And you'll be able to speak the truth in love. Watch your life your doctrine. That means don't compromise the truth. Don't compromise the truth when you give the truth to others. Don't compromise the truth by your life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I pray to bless your people this hour. You've spoken to your people, Lord. You've spoken furthermore to your people on this very same topic, which is so important. As you've spoken about the invisible realm of God. And your people understand that there's a lot more to what the eyes can see. A lot more. A lot more. More than what their ears can hear. Physical ears and physical eyes can see. Natural ears. Natural eyes can see. May they may become partakers. May they become partakers 
Of your glory, Father. Help them, Lord, to exercise themselves into godliness. To be good soldiers who will give themselves over to the training of God. That they may receive everything that God has for them. That they may overcome every trial that God allows them to face. This blessing and bless them with the Father in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. As your servant standing in the presence of God, before the throne of God, according to the power and authority given to me by the Almighty God, I bless your people with this blessing that you want to bless them with. That they may never lose sight of the cross of Jesus Christ. They may Never get distracted by the attractions and the poisonous offers of Satan. They may, may they be never distracted by the calls and the voices of Satan. May they spend time in your presence, Lord, strengthening themselves so that when the test comes, they may be well prepared. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. And thank you for doing this. I give you praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' most precious name, I pray. Amen. Amen.